Sunday, this Memorial Sunday, this Pentecostal Sunday. Amen? Miss Deborah, stand up if you would. Come on, let me see that bright red. Just come on, come on. Chris, stand up for me. Stand up for me. Look at this red. Where's uh, Abigail? Stand right there. Wave your hand in the air. Look. Red. You knew. Miss Deborah knew. <laughs> it's Pentecostal Sunday. Come on. Amen. The blood, the, the red represents that blood that was shed. Amen. When he told them to go to an upper room and to wait, to wait because the Holy Spirit was coming. Amen. And he came as tongues of fire and he, man, he just empowered the church. Aren't you glad for the Holy Spirit? Aren't you glad for Pentecost? Amen. God is good this morning. Amen. Well, I am so excited this morning to get to share from my heart this morning. And let me tell you something. This morning, you're going to walk out of here, and you are not going to be the same. Come on. You are, these are, this is life-changing stuff that I'm fixing to release in the house of the Lord this morning. I'm talking about revelation truth that is going to rock your world, that is going to shake up your world, that is going to empower you this morning. It is going to do something that I have prayed, that I have lived, that I believe, and I, I truly believe that the, 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 the things that we're going to talk about this morning, if you've been doing life with me, if you know me, and you've been doing life with me, you're, my prayer is that you're going to see every single one of these things I'm talking about in my life. Now, I don't do it perfectly, and I don't do it always the right way, but I have had a lot of years to perfect some revelation truth in my life. And let me tell you what revelation is. Revelation is when all of a sudden, you know. <laughs> you know that you know that you know that you know that you what? Revelation. Revelation truth this morning. So let's just ask that the Father God put a light on that revelation. Come on, put your hand on your heart and let's declare it. Father, the word is good in my life. Come on, say it with me. The word is good in my life. I received the word this morning. It will take root in this heart. The enemy's not taking it. The world's not going to choke it out. It's going to produce a fruit in Jesus' name. Amen. We seal it up in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. So not only is this Memorial Weekend, uh, Pentecostal Weekend, um, it is uh, end of school, right? You're most Some of you may be off tomorrow um, and just have a special time that you can be with family as summer gets ready to go. Um, I have a good report. T. Bray is not here this morning, um, but I have a praise report for him. So if he's watching, I want y'all just to lift up a shout because he went through surgery Wednesday. Everything went with perfection. Everything went good. Come on, let's give a clap to the Lord. He is good. <laughs> Terry's hard-headed. And I had to do a lot of declaring and confessing over him as well as his family and his wife. <laughs> that he needed to go in and have this done. And, um, and God shows up. Amen. He's been good. So we just give that praise for it this morning. So, all right. So like I said, this is some of the most important things. This is going to be life-changing. This is going to be something. If you will really listen this morning, I used to tell my kindergartner kids, I used to say, come on, put on your listening ears. Click them on. Click them on real tight so that you can hear. I declare this morning that you're going to have words to hear because I'm going to give you seven Life-changing revelations. Put it up there. Seven life-changing revelations. Now, you might ask me, why seven? Well, five wasn't enough. Um, ten was too many. 
And then I began to think, come on, how many days of the week are there? How many continents are there? Come on, how many for the John Wayne fans? How many sons of Katie Elders were there? How many? Seven sons of Katie Elders. Yes, absolutely. Um, come on, let me think. Let me think. Come on, give me some other seven. Uh, seven truths from the Word of God. Come on, seven. Uh, that's bothering me. How many C's? How many C's that there are? Seven C's. What? Number of perfection. It's a magical number. Also, the last one, Snow White in the... Come on. <laughs> Seven's a magical number. Amen? So, we are going to have seven truths this morning. I'm fixing to jump off in it. I, I uh, have been walking with the Lord for over 50 years. 50 years. Impossible, huh? Guess how old I was when I began my journey with the Lord? Nope. I wish. Does anybody have the magic number? Seven. <laughs> I was seven years old when I began the walk with the Lord, when I walked out of the church and I walked down the aisle and I asked him to be my Lord and Savior and I was baptized and I have began a journey with him of just learning about him every single day, every single day. So if I can bottle up seven truths for you this morning that I can give you, come on, let me do the work before you and you learn them quicker than I did. Amen? <laughs> All right, so number one, number one, let's go to number one. Respect your tongue. Don't you love that? Respect your tongue. I think he's respecting his tongue. Amen? Respect your tongue. Um, you know, in Genesis, the very first chapter, when it began, God began to do what to create the heavens and the earth? He spoke. He spoke. He spoke the words. Look, God is so God that all he had to do was he could have genied it, right? He could have taken, anybody remember, watch, I dream of genie. <laughs> she would have her little thing, and she would just like, and she would just create anything in it, he didn't have to, he could have done any way that he wanted, but he understood the power of the spoken word. It says he created the heavens and he created the earth and he spoke it into his existence. He started it from the very beginning. He spoke the animals and the earth and man into existence. Your tongue is one of the most powerful opportunities, powerful gifts, powerful that Father God has given to each and every one of you, your tongue, your spoken word. And you need to understand and you need to grasp the fact that you've got to learn how to respect it. You have to understand that there is life and death that comes out of your mouth. You are creating your own situation. You are creating your own future. You are creating your own preconceived ideas of what this world has, what the enemy is bringing to you. It comes from professing and, and getting a hold of this, this, um, this weapon, right, that's inside of your mouth. You've got to respect that tongue. You know, you've got to learn how to use it wisely. You've got to learn how to speak the truth and not the lies. Amen? And nobody can contain your tongue but who? But yourself. I can't go over. I can't grab your tongue, Roger, and wiggle it around and push that sucker back in there and clap those lips down. Amen? I wish I could. And guess what? The Holy Ghost won't even do that either. I love those things. Says, oh, there's a whole bunch of stuff I want to say, but the Holy Ghost did this. <laughs> the Holy Ghost can prompt you, but God gave you free will. 
God gave you the opportunity to listen to the Holy Spirit or to choose to ignore the Holy Spirit and say what you think, say what you want, say how you see things. You've got to learn to respect the tongue. I want to look in uh, James, the third chapter, and we're going to go through verse 1 through 5, and this is in the Passion Version. My dear brothers and sisters, don't be so eager to become a teacher in the church. Since you know that we who teach are held to a higher standard of judgment. That's what the Word says right there. If I'm going to get up here and I'm going to teach the Word of God, then I have a higher judgment that is placed on my life. Be careful if you ask you want to be a teacher. Number two, we all fought, fail in many areas, but especially with our what? Yet if we're able to bridle the words we say, we are powerful enough to control ourselves in every way. And that means that our character is mature and fully developed. Verse 3, horses have bits and brittles in their mouth so that we can control and guide their large bodies. Come on. Number four, and with the same mighty ships, though they are massive and driven by fierce wind, yet they are steered by a tiny rudder at the direction of the person at the helm. Last one. And so the tongue is a small part of your body, yet it carries great power. Just think of how a small flame can set a forest ablaze. Come on, if you're able to respect your tongue, if you're able to respect your words, you can begin. Oh, there's my shuggy bug. Hey, Punk Unkin, it's shuggy bug. <laughs> she steals the show every time. She's a little star, isn't she? She's our little princess. She wanted to hear Gigi talk this morning. I know it. She's smiling. <laughs> So, just as a bit can control a horse, just as a rudder can control a ship, just as a tiny spark can create an entire forest fire, what can your mouth do? You got to learn to respect it. Amen. You got to learn to tame that mouth. In other words, what you're thinking sometimes does not always need to come out of your mouth. what What you are perceiving as the reality of your life needs to have a check, and you need to stop before you speak. I'm telling you, it is life-changing. It is life-altering. It will direct and change the course of your life if you learn how to respect that little thing that's sticking out of your mouth. It's powerful. It can be, it can be, it can, it can serve blessings, and it can create curses out of one mouth. The Bible said it should not be so. You shouldn't be on a Sunday morning blessing the Lord, oh, my soul, and all that I have in me, and then go the next few days and trash and filth and and lies and deception be coming out of your mouth. The Bible says it should not be so. Respect your tongue. Speak to the things that aren't and declare them to be so. Man, I'm hurting in my body. Come on, I just want somebody to talk to me about it. Oh, man. I, Jenny, I'm hurting. I'm so bad. Oh, my God. And you know, I had this and I had that and I had that. And I have to sit back and I have to check myself. And I say, Ginger, we ain't talking about the problem. We're talking about my healing. We're talking about how God's delivering me and God's creating a, a, a body that is worthy. What comes out of your mouth? That's good stuff. Hello. The second revelation. Come on, number two. Picture your desired future. 
Travis preached a little bit on this Wednesday night. He talked about how God showed Abraham all the stars in the sky. And he said, this is going to be as many generational um, of descendants that's going to be. Just look at it. And even though it didn't come to pass immediately, even though it seemed impossible, because he was an old man, and his wife was an old woman. I mean, I thought I was old having Izzy, but that, like, she was, like, super old, you know? I was 41. That's old in dog years and mother years. (laughs) He was really old. But despite, come on, despite the overwhelming odds, he had a vision. I tell girls all the time when they, I talk to them and they're struggling, um, seeing their future coming out of the generation house and coming out of um, addiction and coming out of, of any type of life-altering things. If you don't have a picture of your desired future, you are just running around looking at anything. Oh, squirrel. Ooh, yeah, light. <laughs> Woo, you're just, you're just all over the place. You got to have a picture of your desired future. You got to get a dream. Come on, you got to get, you got to see what you want. I, I love telling this story because I'm, I'm, I'm in the reality of it. I remember when, when uh, Megan came to us and her heart, her heart cried out to be united with her daughter. Her heart cried out to be the mother that God had created her to be. And I would tell her, I would like, listen to me. You got to get a picture of it. You got to imagine you're in church. You're sitting in church. And you got to look over to the left of your eye. You got to look over. And all of a sudden, you see Fallon. She's at the altar. And she's got her hands raised. And she's worshiping. And you're looking at that. And you're saying, oh, my God, I'm raising a teenager. I want to kill her. But look, she's worshiping Jesus. I tell my girls, imagine standing in that court and hearing all of your charges have been dismissed. Get a vision of yourself getting a passport. Get a vision of yourself getting on that plane, scared as everything, and flying to a destiny where you're going to talk to somebody across the seas and tell them about Jesus. Get a desired picture. Look, I knew what my husband looked like before I said, even laid eyes on him. I had a list, people, a list. And you better be careful what you put down because God is faithful and he'll give it to you. And it's right here. Look at this fine man. I made a list, and I want him to be at least six foot tall. I want him to have dark hair one day, one day. <laughs> at the time, I didn't want a gray-haired sugar daddy when I, got, when I was 20. <laughs> i take one now. Oh, yeah, you're my sugar baby. Buy me some shoes. <laughs> they think it's funny. I want him to have piercing blue eyes. Have you ever looked at Paul's eyes? Ooh, make me swoon. Oh. I want him to come from a household of faith. If you would have known Mr. Bobby and Miss Sally and that family, his great-grandfather was a holiness Pentecostal preacher who'd put his hand on Paul's head when he was a little boy, and he would squeeze so tight, he would squeeze the anointing inside of him. I want him to have a sense of humor because he's going to have to deal with all this. You know, I had a vision. Well, then I married him. And what I got wasn't what I thought I was getting. Anybody been there? Hello. But God gave me a vision of him standing before hundreds of people preaching the word of God across the seas. you got to have a vision. I did it with Izzy when I was in the hospital. Come on. And they told me, you need to abort. You're not going to have a baby that's going to come and be able to survive this pregnancy. You're not going to have a child 
that's not going to have at least, she only has a 10% chance of not having major physical and mental deficits. But I had a picture. I'd laid up in that hospital for a long time. <laughs> and I put a picture in front of me of my desired future. And I saw myself getting in a car, putting her in her car seat. I saw myself giving her her first bath. I saw, I saw her walking across that getting her high school diploma. We are praying. Amen. <laughs> you got to have a picture. You got to have a vision. Come on, put up Proverbs 29, 18. It's uh, the passion as well. Where there's no clear prophetic vision, people quickly wander astray. And when you follow the revelation of the world, word, heaven's bliss fills your soul. You got to have a picture. You got to have a vision. You got to write that thing down. You got to look at it. So when everything is going to pot, right? Life comes, and all of a sudden you're in the middle of a earthquake. You're in the middle of a hurricane. You're in the middle of uncertainty. You're looking at you're looking at things. This is not what God promised. This is not how God's supposed to work. This is not how things are supposed to be. You got to look past all that. You got to look past all of the dysfunction. You got to look past that to your dream, to your vision, and you got to hang on to that. Come on. Think about it. That's exactly what um, that's exactly what Abraham did. It's exactly what Joseph did. Joseph had a dream, and it didn't matter if he was in the pit. It didn't matter if he was in the palace having a woman chase him because she wanted him, or if he was in prison. He had a dream, and he said, "One day, I will step into that dream." You got to have it. Don't think I didn't use it with Serena. <sighs> didn't play that song this morning. That was a song I worship too. Over and over with her. I worshiped to that song and I declared those lungs, come on, her lungs were going to be freed up and she was going to worship. Amen. I imagine Isaac's smile. I imagined his giggle. And if you've seen him smile and giggle, you know it's from a heavenly place. Amen. Amen. You got to have a vision. Come on. Number three, you got to know your tribe. Come on, everybody, somebody say hallelujah. Now, we women love a good tribe. We love a good, we love a good little group. But you men, I'm talking to you too, you better have a tribe. You better have a group of people that you connect with. Because I'm going to tell you this, you better write this down. Nobody, nobody succeeds alone. Say it with me. Nobody succeeds alone. Nobody. You can't get anywhere in life without a tribe. You've got to have people that you connect with. Let me tell you what friends will do. If you've got a good tribe, this is what they'll do. They'll correct you. And you better be willing to receive the correction. They'll correct you. A good tribe will direct you. They'll tell you where you need to go and how to get there. And they'll connect you with the one that ultimately knows your destiny. Good friends make you think. They make you go, I never saw it that way. That's a good perspective. Let me tell you what another good friend does. They make you better. A good friend makes you better. It makes you better. So with that being said, you better be specific who you allow to talk to in your life. You better find a tribe that will stimulate you. You will find, better find a tribe, a group of people who will educate you, who will build you up, who will stop what they're doing and pray with you. Come on, think about how many friends do you have that when you've got an issue that you get on that phone and you call them or you say, I'm coming to your house because I need prayer. 
If you don't have some friends like that, you better put up a screen door. Do you see what this screen door looks like right here? Now, we don't have a lot of screen doors um, now. I don't think so. Anybody in here have screen doors that you open up? A couple of you. All right, let me tell you what what does a screen door do. In your home, a screen door is put there so you can open up the big door. And what does the screen door keep from coming in? Bugs. (laughs) That was old-time air conditioning, yeah. Some of you old-timey. You need to put a screen door in your life so that bugs ain't coming in. Because the enemy will send bugs. The enemy will sing, oh, my God, have you ever been in a house and you had a wasp get in your house? Sweet Lord. Even worse than that is like a hornet. Because I remember we had in Castor, we had uh, this porch. And at the corner of the little porch was like the little section that they had built on. And in that corner, every spring, a wasp nest would get up there and it would build. And I don't know if you know this about wasps, but they have like a watcher, like in their nest. So this, I learned real quickly after the first time of being attacked, that they would sit on the corner. Well, you, to go into my house, you had to go up these steps and go into the little porch to the front door. And the first time that it kind of happened when we moved there, I was just walking up, had groceries, and honey, that little sucker flew out from nowhere, and it popped me, and I swear, I thought I got hit by a BB gun. I went to the ground, and that little sucker just flew back, and it went back in that nest, and I called it out. I said, you demon, you little flying demon, where's the spray? (laughs) Paul, where's the spray? Because I ain't going back out there again. You kill that thing. You go out there, you kill that thing. So he'd get up there, remember, and you'd have to spray up in that nest and kill it. It might take two or three times. A screen door keeps that stuff from coming into your life. It keeps the doubters out. It keeps the naysayers out. It keeps the faith stealers out. And if you don't have a screen in your door, guarantee you that the enemy will send bugs worse than wasps, worse than hornets. They will come, and you will just be constantly being stung. Amen? That's good. Everybody say amen. I like that. Glory. Look at, uh, let's look at Ecclesiastics 4. 9 and 10. Let's look at this real quick. Two people are better off than one. Two people, you got a tribe, you only got one, hey, it's okay. Quality over quantity. Two people are better than one, for they can help each other succeed. Verse 10. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help, but someone who falls alone, they in real trouble. If you down, I'm falling and I can't get up. And you don't have a little clicker. You just lay in there at the whim of somebody that might come and check you, right? But if you're walking together and you trip and you stumble, you got somebody that comes and says, come on, get up. I got you. There's this little clip that's running around. I wish I had downloaded it for you. It's a, I want to say it was the LSU basketball game. Have you all seen it? The, The girls are... The two girls are playing on the field, one of them, I mean, on the basketball court, and she makes a bad thing, and so she's got her head down, and her teammate comes over, and she raises her head up. Have y'all seen that little meme? She takes, and she's like got her head down, her, and they're walking, and her teammate just pushes her head up and says, you hold that head up. Hold that head up. Maybe you made a mistake. Maybe you faltered. You get your head up, and you walk. You walk. I'm here to help you through this. Amen? You better know your tribe. Know your tribe. Come on, 50 plus years, I've had, I had some bugs, and they had to go, shoo, fly, don't bother me. All right. 
Come on, let's go to number four. This is what I'm good at. Talk to yourself. Come on, talk to yourself. Well, what does that mean, Pastor Ginger? You see, there's external communication. External communication is the words that you and I speak. So Emily and I can sit and watch her drink a cup of coffee. See, I don't drink coffee. But we can eat a piece of cake, and we can communicate, right? We can talk about our day. We can talk about how I want a card, and she's got a card. We can talk about this. We can talk about kids, and we can talk about wanting to be on the beach. That's external communication, right? Internal communication is what I say to myself. And we all have a conversation that's going on inside of our head. Every single one of us have a conversation that's going on. Because here's the deal. People can talk about you, and they can have an opinion about you. And it may or may not be true. People can like you, and they don't like you. People can get you and people don't get you. Um, it might be true. They may say, oh, my gosh, Pastor Angel, her name depicts. I mean, she's going to be an angel when she gets to heaven. Do you all agree with me? She's going to be an angel. She's going to have little wings that's going to pop out like a little fairy. She's going to fly over because we're going to have a house on the beach in heaven and a Krispy Kreme donut tree next to it. Come on, come on. That's where my mansion's going to be. I talk to myself about it all the time. Oh, girl, when you get to heaven, you're going to be so skinny. <laughs> you're not going to burn in the sun of the Lord. All right, so, but some people may have negative opinions about you. Maybe they just don't get you. Do you know what I mean? Maybe they don't see the intention of your heart, and, and they can have an opinion about you, right? I can have an opinion about who I am. I know I'm not very good at math. You know why I know I'm not good at math? Because if you looked at my grades in school, it would be the evidence of the truth of what I believed about myself, right? I have an opinion about who I am. And for a long time, look, I've been doing this for 50 years. For a long time, I had an opinion about myself that was a false lie of the enemy. It was a deceptive untruth that I was living in because I believed the lie. And so I walked in it. I lived it. I sat in it. You know, some of us walk, live a whole time alive, and we just live in a life of comparison. We look at somebody else and say, oh, my God, they got it all together. I wish I was like them. Oh, my God, I wish I could be more like this. I wish I could be more like that. Lie. Lie. God didn't create you to be like me. God didn't create you to be like Chris. He didn't create you to be like Pastor Greg. He created you to be like you. So comparison has to go. It has to go out the window. So where's the truth between what somebody knows about you and what you know about yourself? I'm glad you asked. The truth of it is... The most important thing is you got to know what does God say about you? Because sometimes what God has to say is completely opposite of what other people say about you. And sometimes it's completely opposite about what you think about yourself. So you have to delve in. You have to find out the truth. Well, what if there's a whole bunch of things I believe about myself that's just not right? Talk to yourself. I talk to myself the truth. I tell myself the truth. Over the course of these years, I've had to say to myself, Ginger, you are bold as a lion. You don't creep in the back. Look, I didn't want to be in ministry. I just want to be a little sheep. I just want to be this little sheep that would come on Sunday mornings, and whatever you needed me to do, I'd just be in the back. I'd be like, okay, I got you. I'm right here. We talked about all that. We just wanted to be sheep. That's all I wanted to do. I, I love to sing. I didn't mind being up on the stage. I love to worship. But that became a, a, a part of what I had to walk into. I would tell myself, he created you 
for good things, for great things. He created you to do things in the miraculous. He created you to lay hands on the sick. And when you pray for them, that you watch them recover. I have to talk to myself when I'm feeling like I have, 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 have living in this place of doubt and confusion and anger and bitterness and unforgiveness. Come on. I have to talk to myself. I have to build myself up because I guarantee you, sometimes there's not people there to talk to you. And if they say it and you ain't believing it, they're just doing this. You're just, you're just watching their mouths flap and you're hearing it. But you got that screen up, and you're not even letting those words come in. So you got to talk to yourself. Well, what if I don't believe it? What if I don't believe it? I just don't believe. I just don't believe that I'm healed. I just, if he wants to, he can. If he, if he, if he really wanted to, he could, but he's not. Look, I dealt with fear. I dealt with insecurity. I dealt with so many things and I began to read the word and I began to hear what the word said. So I just began to talk to myself and I guarantee you, if you say it long enough and you say it out loud, all of a sudden it's amazing how you start to believe it. I am pretty doggone wonderful. I am, I am pretty fantastic and I am one of the funniest people you will ever meet and I, I'm going to have a good time. I see myself the way God sees me. Put this little uh, thing up here. I saw this. I love this. So you see a little kitty cat, Miss Deborah. You see a little tiny kitty cat up there. Oh, wait, such a cute little kitty. Look at that. My little cat lady back there. Isn't that the cutest little kitty? It's a painting kitty. And what is the kitty painting? Oh, she's, she's seeing herself in the reflection. And what she's displaying out of her creativity is not a little big kitty cat. She's creating a massive roar. She's creating something that walks in the jungle. Come on. I like a little kitty cat. Meow, meow, meow. Come at, rawr, come at me. Come at my babies. Come at my babies. I will chew you up and spit you out. Not you. It's not as important. You may not see me as a lion. You may not see me in that capacity. But how I see myself means everything. How do I see myself? How do you see yourself? Do you sell yourself as poor? Guess what? You paint a poor picture. Do you see yourself as less? You paint a picture that's less than the kitty. You up there painting a rat or something, you know? <laughs> Looking at yourself and saying, oh, I just see a rat. Look at the little whiskers. How you see yourself? That's good stuff. Amen. All right, number five. I'm doing good. Three more. This is my favorite. Buckle up. Are you ready? Come on, read it. What's it say? Come on. Look what's up there. Little pig. Little pig. Just loosen up and laugh. <laughs> laugh. Come on, show me show my, my crispy bacon. Many of you probably have seen this. I, I don't care how many times I see it. I think it's hilarious. It's a quick clip. Huh? It is. It's crispy bacon. Turn the light down just a little bit. Can y'all see it okay? All right, watch this. Turn that volume up. We've got to be able to hear this.
every time I see it, I just, I just lose myself. Put it back up there. Um, um, loosen up and laugh. Look, that poor little pig, he had no back legs. He just, he had to have a little something to get him along. That's not, that's sad. You should look at that and go, poor, poor little pig. Poor pig, Suey. You know, poor little pig. And the guy's looking at it, and his name is Crispy Bacon. I mean, is that just, there's nothing better. And he can't control himself. I don't know if he had a job after that. But is that not hilarious? Look it up if you want to watch it. Sometimes if you're just feeling sad and you need a little laugh, look up Crispy Bacon on YouTube. And he'll just go, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Loosen up and laugh. Look, there's some serious life experiences that you've had to go through. I'm not, making, I'm not making light of the things that you've had to endure in this life. There are losses. There are hurts. There are disappointments. Some things just aren't funny. They're not funny. If I didn't have legs and I had to have a little wheelbarrow helping me walk, I would hope you wouldn't all laugh when you see me roll up here. It's not, but you can always find joy. Because, see, joy is not an emotion. Joy is not something that can come from a funny YouTube. It can't come from a, a, a great, you know, comedy that you watch. Many of you that like to watch people fall down, cats that get vomiting, you know, Angel will get going. You see a cat. They show them yogurt. Have you ever seen those? Like they'll put a little can of yogurt up with the cat, and the cat's like, yeah, and the cat's like vomiting. I don't know. It, it's Angel. I personally think it's hilarious when people upcheck, so don't, don't, don't judge me. We know. But my joy is not based off my life experiences or circumstances. Come on, listen to me. My joy is not conditional upon whether everything is great. My joy comes from the Lord. And the Word of God says that the joy of the Lord is my strength. So when I'm feeling weak and discouraged and funky, I have to do a check and I have to say, where is my joy level? And if my joy is gone, then once again, I have to go back to number one. I have to think about what I'm talking about. I have to think about if I have anyone that is in my life that is my joy stealers. Because trust me, I've been in a season where I've had to deal with people that um, I had to work with or that I had to be around. And I'm a pretty positive person for the most part in my life, even in the stressful things. I find humor where probably humor shouldn't be. But it's how I cope. It's how I realize that it's my superpower. But I would have to work with people when I would say, it's a great day. Oh, do you know that it's supposed to rain at noon and we can't go out on the recess today? And did you know that I woke up and my gorder is like out of control? <laughs> I don't know. And you're just like, okay, Debbie Downer. Womp, womp, womp. <laughs> there are people that can try to steal your joy. The enemy will send people to steal your joy. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Let's look at uh, Proverbs 17, 22. <clears throat> it says, a cheerful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit saps a person's strength. I'm going to read it to you one more time. A cheerful heart is good medicine. Sometimes you just need a good dose of a cheer, of some joy, of something that will make you laugh, that will something that will take you out. Because if you have a broken spirit, you are a person who has no strength, that you are just lacking 
in your life. You have nothing that anyone wants to come and be around. Have you ever been around someone who's just a broken, sad? It's hard, isn't it? It's hard to be joyful when somebody is just sad. But I have always believed that even in someone's sadness and even in someone's heart, that I can come in because I carry joy. I am a carrier of joy. I went uh, last weekend, and my great-nephew was graduating from Sulphur High. And my niece, um, who is so precious to me, she uh, is the daughter of my sister that passed away, who was my very best friend and my champion. And she lost her um, when her children were little. And I made a promise that I would keep my sister alive inside of her grandkids and that I would step in and be that kind of mom that she was longing for, that she needed. And then a few years later, she lost her dad in surgery. And so she was struggling that day because she wanted her family. She wanted her mom and dad there to see her oldest graduate. We've all been there, you know. And so I I went. And so the whole time, I knew she was sad. So I, I sat next to her. And every time someone, there was like 400 and something students. It was crazy long. And so every time someone would walk past us to go, I would probably make some inappropriate comment about their shoes or the way that they, things that they had on or their weird name or their weird walk. I don't know. And I just kept the mood light. I know it was serious. It was painful. It was hurting. But you can do that for others. You can be a joy carrier in some situations that there cannot be any joy, that can't be a place that, that I'm not talking about cracking jokes. I'm just talking about lightening up and being a presence. And she told me later, my sweetie, she said, thank you for coming. She said, I don't think I could have got through Friday if you hadn't have been here. That's what, that's what knowing your tribe looks like. When you're going through tough stuff, you just come along beside them. One of the things that, that uh, Miss Deborah taught me Miss Deborah, something that was so valuable that you taught me when your daughter went to be with Jesus that I have used continuously because so many times when we have people that we love and they, they cross over, they go to heaven, they go and they leave this earth, sometimes we just don't know what to say. How many of you have been there? You just don't know what to say. I mean, there's nothing you can say, right? There's nothing you can say that makes the situation better. There's nothing you can say that changes the circumstance. But Miss Deborah told me something. She said, you don't have to have to say anything. You just have to be there. To just be there. It was a valuable lesson that I learned. To just be there. And make them laugh when they need to laugh. Amen? Friday, we saw our video. Come on, we're on number six. I'm doing good. Can y'all hang on for two more? All right, number six. Let's go to the next one. Savor each moment. Savor each moment. Look, I have a a definition of savor. Savor means to taste, to feel, to extract, extract all the pleasures and benefit of every moment. Look, we have some families in here that this week, they experienced babies graduating from high school. Lots of emotions, lots of celebrations, lots of honoring their accomplishments, you know, and watching them get the, the, the awards they've worked so hard for, and then anticipating 
the flying of the children out of the nest. It's an emotional time. How many of you have graduated kids? You know that. Some of you are, are waiting. Jess and Chris, a couple more years. What? It goes so fast. Savor each moment. I love this quote. Listen to this. You are going to be on the journey longer than you are on the destination. So enjoy the journey. Come on. We've had these graduates. Come on, Joseph, Jacob, that are here. It took a long time to walk across that stage, didn't it? You didn't do nothing on the journey. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. There was studying. <laughs> Jacob sitting there. Okay, let me do this. There was tests to take. Got you there. There were sight words to learn. I mean, I'll even go back down when you did have to study. You know, I don't know. There was math equations that had to be. There was football games that we went to. Come on, the journey was a long time. Graduation lasted how long, Angel? An hour. One hour of your life that you worked 12 to 13 years to get to. You better enjoy the journey. Enjoy the journey. You're fixed to go to college. You're going to workforce. You're going to the next season. Before you get married, before you have kids, enjoy the journey. How many of you have little bitty kids? You have little ones. Come on, raise your hand. Let me see the ones we're praying for. Look at all these little hands. Look, it is, it is, it is quick. I know it doesn't seem quick. Look, I got four. I kept them Friday. Not all at the same time. Well, I had 30 minutes of having them all at the same time. And sweet Jesus, because they all wanted Gigi's lap. So two were here, and one was here, and one was here. The lap can only contain two. And I know that as we sit and we are enjoying our grandbabies, and you're enjoying your children, just like that, it's gone. So even in the midst with the diapers up to your ears, the toddler stage where they're throwing fits, come on, it's savor every moment, every moment of life. I've learned to savor, savor it Oop. because they're just gone so quickly. <laughs> Amen. And another thing with this, always be present and don't wish life away. I am, I am so bad about this, and I've, I've had to repent for the Lord. We have these things that Paul's on right now. Hand me mine. We have these little uh, phones. Have you ever gone out and seen a family at a restaurant? And mama and daddy and the two teenager, the teenager and the junior high, they're all sitting there and they're doing this. They're not talking. They're not sharing. They're just like, or they may go, oh, this is so funny. Look at this. <laughs> I've been guilty of it. Ain't one of you in here hadn't been sitting. Gregory Lee. Angel Lee, her little one finger, that's how she texts. She takes one little finger. Because you got 14,000 people that are sending you texts. I need this. What am I supposed to do without this? You're not going to have your kids sitting at the table. One of these days, you're not going to have your mama sitting across from you and your daddy sitting across from you at the dinner table. And you would give anything to have just one more time to sit down and share some pasta and some bread. And a piece of pie. Savor those moments. I've tried my very best to take every experience. Look, I've buried my father-in-law. I buried my mother-in-law. Sang at their funerals. Hello. I've buried three of my sisters. 
I have buried my mother. I have buried my father. And there are moments and times of my life in 50 years, I can take you right back to a moment. And in that moment, I was eating it up. I was savoring it. There's one particular moment that I knew, and many of you may have experienced this. You know you're in the middle of something. And if you really are present and you're not doing this, or you're even doing this, videoing it so you can watch it back. But you're not really present because you're focusing. Oh, and they laugh at me because I'll be videoing something and I'm on it, but like they move and my phone's here and I'm like here. And then they see the video like, my God, mother, you know, oh, let me get back over here. <laughs> but I remember this one particular moment. It was my parents' 50th wedding anniversary. And we had rented out the Civic Center and my mother had on this beautiful dress that she had bought, and she had her, I fixed her hair. My dad had gone to Goodwill, hand to God, and bought a gray tuxedo. Do you remember that gray set tuxedo? Do you know Robert, my nephew, said, I still have it, Ginger. I was like, what? He goes, I do. I was like, oh, you're so crazy. So there was this moment, and my sisters and I were standing, and we had just had food. And back then, you know, you just didn't have phones. Somebody was videoing it, so I still have the video that sometimes is kind of scratchy. But I remember us standing there, and I, mom was out there dancing with the little kids. <laughs> and their song came on, and it was in the beginning, like Glenn Miller Band or something. I don't know. It was their song, and they had practiced a dance. It was beautiful. So she's dancing, and then all of a sudden the music <coughs> crescendos, builds up. She recognizes the song. She stops. She lets go of the kids' hands. She's looking for her husband of 50 years. Where is he at? And then the music crescendos, and it builds. And all of a sudden, you see my dad burst into the, into the middle of her. And he walks in like a knight in shining armor. And he glides, and he puts his hands up in the air like, I'm here. And she goes to him, and he grabs her, and he spins her around. And they start their little dance. Now, my mother had rhythm. Mm, 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 she could dance. My daddy had one move. That was it. And if, he was, if you were dancing like with him, this is how he would do Right? He had no rhythm. But this was his dance, this was his favorite dance move. He stick that tongue out. <laughs> and he would spin her. And as I was sitting there, I savored that moment. I remember that moment like it was yesterday. Oh, it was a big moment. But do you know how many other small moments when I was upset with them or when we were having issues that I wasn't savoring that time. Savor the moments of your life. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm running behind. Here we go. Last one. Come on. Number seven. Last one. What'd you say? Hurry it up. Okay. Learn to linger, linger in the presence of God. Learn to linger in the presence of God. Go to 2 John 1 through 3. I mean 1 3 from the Passion Version. It says, God, our Father, and Jesus Christ, His Son, will release His Release to us overflowing grace, mercy, and peace, filled with his true love. Come on. Something happens when you're in the presence of God that can happen nowhere else. Something will change. Your attitude will change. Your heart will begin to change when you just embrace the presence of God. Let's stand to our feet. This is little seven truths 
that will change your life. And I just release right now in the name of Jesus that these revelations, Father God, are open into the hearts this morning. Father God, that you will empower them, Father, that you will allow them to hear and begin to implement this into their life, begin to practice it, begin to put it in motion. And Father, watch their lives begin to transform. Father, we just come into your presence right now. We come into your presence right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. We honor you. We thank you, Father God, for moments. Let this be a moment, Father, that will be imprinted upon their hearts. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you do. Father, we just release, Father, the presence of God in here this morning. Come on, if you would, just grab someone's hand that's next to you. Can you do that? Just grab a hand next to you. All righty. What I want you to do is I just want you to begin as your tribe, as someone you care about, husband, wife, friend, mother, daughter, just begin right at this moment to begin to just ask Jesus to reveal his truth to them. So, Father, right now we come, Father, holding each other's hands, holding each other's, Father, accountable. Father, we just declare, Father, healing to their body. We declare, Father God, peace to their spirit. Father God, that we just declare wholeness to them. Father, on this Pentecostal Sunday, Father, we thank you that the same power that fell in that upper room, that it is inside of this room, and you begin to pour out your presence to each and every person here this morning, and we honor you, and we choose, Father God, to live a life that's worthy and productive and fruitful. In Jesus' name, everybody agree with me. Amen. I'm here if anyone needs any prayer. Come.